Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All for the weeping mothers, the lost fathers, and the forsaken children. And let them come quickly. For a voice of crying is heard out of Zion. For we are greatly confused. For death has come into our ghettos to cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York, L.A., Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus saith Yah, and I will return unto you, O my people. Black Talk Radio Network, new media 
for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Reggie. The numbers to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. The new number that we'll be using from this point forward is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. No Access code, nothing like that, just a direct number, 215-490-9832. We want to start featuring that number and uh, kind of phase the other. The other number has been phased out, but we'll eventually just use the one number. But you can reach us at the two numbers tonight, uh, 215-253-7263, and we're featuring the 215-490-9832. So write that down and make it part of your notes when you dial into Time for an Awakening. We're streaming live at several locations. Timeforawakening.com, the website. You can hit us up there and listen to us streaming live. You can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash Time for Awakening and hear the live broadcast. We're streaming live on YouTube and also on the TuneIn app. TuneIn app is a free app. You can download it to any of your devices, to your phone, your tablet, iPad, your desktop. It's a free app. Download it in the search engine. Type in time for an awakening. And hear the program streaming live, even into your car. It's time for awakening streaming live on four different locations. Drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com. That's time for an awakening at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on the Facebook fan page of Time for an Awakening. Just go to that search engine on Facebook and type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by Brother Edge. Before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. Also, Time for Awakening media has been launched. Put that in your address bar. Make that one of your favorites, Time for Awakening. Dot com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. There you'll see blogs, uh, podcasts of the programs that you can download, listen at later times, or even share with your friends. So put that in, just in your address bar, and again, make that one of your favorites. That's Time for an Awakening dot com. Time for Awakening dot com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. Also, we've got some... Uh, uh, new and exciting things coming up that we'll be doing with uh, Time for an Awakening, the website, Facebook page, and even the program. So keep your ear tuned to Time for an Awakening for some new and upcoming exciting things that we'll be doing to expand the program, expand the reach, and uh, a lot of different things. Tonight, we're scheduled to have a special guest join us. He's been here before, and we're glad to have him back. Activist. Pan-African scholar, Professor 
James Small is scheduled to join us uh, to give us a recap of the State of the Black World Conference, his assessments, his opinions, along with strategies uh, and other things to move our people forward in 2016 and beyond. Uh, Again, uh, we're scheduled to have him join us, and we'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsors to start the program. Be right back. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your hosts elliot and reggie welcome back to time for an awakening and before we get started <clears throat> with our program this evening got an announcement from the uh the unia here in philadelphia they're having a program on december the 11th at 3 o'clock, Sunday the 7-11th at 3 o'clock, the UNIA is featuring UNIA ACL President General Michael Duncan will be here in Philadelphia, MOTEP 52 of PLM. Also, Shemka Friedman of the UNIA Division 178 and a special performance by Richard Raw. All three will be at this, uh, the, tr- the historic Church of the Advocate, 1801 West Diamond Street in Philadelphia. That's Sunday, December 11th at 3 p.m. For more info, call 215-877-0594. That's 215-877-0594 or 215-236-0782. That's 215-236-0782. Come on out to the uh, UNIA um I think they're doing some renovations there at the, the historic UNI uh, building on uh, 
Ridge Avenue. So come on out and support uh, the UNIA, hear the speakers, the things they're doing in the community. Come on out December 11th at 3 p.m. at the historic Church of the Advocate. Again, call those numbers for more information. It doesn't say an admission. It's probably free of charge. Come on out and get involved. Again, those contact numbers is 215-877-0594 and 215-236-0782. Tonight, we're glad to have back on the program. It's been a little over a year, but we're glad to have him back. Scholar, Pan-African activist and scholar, Professor James Small, is with us to talk about the uh, fresh off the heels of the uh, State of the Black World Conference, I think it's number four, to give us his uh, assessments of what happened there at the conference and uh, solutions to move our people forward. Professor Smalls, how are you, sir? Professor Small, can you hear me? Professor Smalls? Professor Small? Can you hear me now? I hear you now, sir. <laughs> all right. How are, How are you doing, brother? And how's Philly? <laughs> Everything's all right. I've been in Philly for a minute. All right. I got a lot of family and friends up in Philly. I'm glad to have you with us this yeah. evening. Back on the program. It's been, it's been <laughs> yes, a little sir. while. Professor Smalls, I want to talk to you about the uh, State of the Black World Conference. I was supposed to be there. It was a little mix-up happening because we were supposed to broadcast live. But, uh, you know, it's no problem because we had our eyes and ears there, which was Sister Dataki Kambon, and she yes, kind yes. of uh, uh, let us know the things that we miss. And uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to have people on that were instrumental at the conference. And the uh, first one here is yourself. You know, before you talk about your, uh, uh, you know, discuss your assessment and opinions of the conference, uh, you were a legacy yes, award winner there at the conference. Uh, you didn't chair yes. one of the plenaries. You were kind of like a uh, honored elder. <laughs> yes, sir, and that was an unusual place for me to be in, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I would have preferred being in the workshop, and I wish I was actually on the panel in the the um, religion and, and spirituality panel, which is one of my special areas. Okay, and, you know, I, listen, but, I want to talk about that. Also, before you leave the air this evening, because that's one of my favorite topics, and uh, well, we'll get we'll get into that. But uh, I just want to touch base with you. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was very honored that IBW, the Institute for the Black World, at the State of the Black World Conference, um, which was number four, and they do it every four years, right after the presidential election. Um, I was extremely honored to get. a legacy award uh, this year by such an esteemed organization that has done so much work in the black community in helping to plan and organize um, goals and directions for us to take around the issues of economic politics and culture. Um, so I'm I'm very honored. Who have been honored. I mean, like when I first heard it, I told my wife, "Wow, maybe I'm dying <laughs> this year because <laughs> it was my 71st birthday just a week before." So I go, "Well, maybe this is a sign that I'm about to leave here." 
<laughs> that I'm getting this award. Yeah, well, but, I, I hope that you're wrong. <clears throat> well, I, I hope I'm wrong, too, because I like being down on <laughs> Earth. It's a nice place, you know, <laughs> no matter what nobody says. Um, but it, it was ex- an extreme honor, and it was an honor to be a part of um, a conference that involved people from all aspects of the Caribbean, Central South America, the United States, Canada, and Africa. And and even from Europe, Africans from Europe, England, you know, um, discussing the the issues of economic politics and culture and, and reparations as a central theme, as it affects the lives of African people. You know, it, it's kind of ironic that uh, that you almost come full circle. All the work that you you have done in the community, nationwide, and even worldwide, on uh, issues of our people uh, dealing around history and things of that nature. You kind of, you kind of came full circle with a conference back in Newark. Yeah. The, well, and, it was and, extraordinary. and talk about that because I, I heard you yes, speak about that. And I want you to kind of let the listening audience know in reference to that. Yeah. The, my first, this conference, which was dedicated to a Mary Baraka, mm-hmm. um, who I met, in 1967, after he got out of jail, I was in Newark in 1967 for the first time in my life at the Black Power Conference. Okay. And what was extraordinary, that's, that's where I met Francis Welsing. That's where I met Dr. Leonard Jeffries. That's where I met Marlana Karanga, Rap Brown, Stokely Carmichael, Charlie Kenyatta and the Mile Miles. Aaron and Milton Henry, who became Brother Obadali and his brother from Detroit, um, James Former. I mean, this was a place where all of our great minds, male and female, came together in the midst of the Newark, the Newark Rebellion. Okay. It wasn't a riot. This was a rebellion. Black folks said, had enough of the bull, and I'm striking out against the system. You know, people say, oh, they riot, they looted store. No, they looted the the economic enterprise of their enemies. And there's a difference, you know, between a, a riot and a rebellion and a resistance movement. And on that occasion, our brother, Mary Baraka, was arrested. And I remember we were in this room having this big meeting. And I was security for Malcolm X's sister, Ella Collins mm-hmm. at the time. And um, Dr. Francis Welsing, and Dr. Jeffries often recounts this, but this big, beautiful Afro, this tall, fantastically beautiful black woman stood up and says, what you men going to do? Y'all need to get your butts down to that jail and break Brother Baraka out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? This is Francis Welsing in 67, you know. And here I was back in Newark again, when the son of a Mary Baraka is the mayor of the city of Newark and the host and the sponsor of the fourth state of the black race world conference. So this is a fantastic occasion for me. And, and where we were in 67 was right across the street from where we were for this conference okay. a week ago. So there was a lot of deja vu and a lot of recalling 
uh, meeting the great leaders like um, Brother Rap Brown, who's now Brother Jamil, who's being held in the prison system of America uh, inappropriately and criminally and wrongly. Yes. This is where I met our beautiful ancestor, you know, um, Stokely Carmichael, who became Brother Kwame Ture, who taught us so much. Ancestor Francis, um, and so many. And the great leader, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who I met there as a young man, and we've been partners for 50 years almost now. I think it's 47 years. And there he is now speaking on the first panel that opened this conference. You know, so I was sitting there just recalling all of the moments in history when we as young people without any bald spots or gray hair or gray beard, <laughs> was dreaming of liberation for our people okay, and willing to die to, to make it so. Because while we were sitting, I, I remember I was sitting at a table in a restaurant. Um, we had gone for lunch. James Former, Ella Collins, Malcolm X's sister, myself, one of her chief bodyguard, brother Willie Starks, uh, Aaron Henry, Milton Henry, who became, remember, Aaron became Brother Obadali. Okay. And I forgot his brother's name. And we got the call that the rebellion in Detroit had just begun. And both of the Henry brothers told us, well, we got to go. We got, we got to go to the airport because Detroit is our home, so we got to get to Detroit. And, and what was so extraordinary, little did we know that one of the men who had trained the brothers that started the resistance in Detroit was Geronimo Pratt. God bless his soul. Okay. So all these things came through my mind over the weekend at the conference, you know, um, and and the first I was thinking of it as the first occasion, and now look at this new occasion. In the first occasion, we were talking about it's nation time. And in this conference this past week, the theme was, it's nation time again. So there was a lot of deja vu, a lot of memories, but a commitment to continue to struggle until our people is free. You know, and, and, re, and remembering the term, the phrase that Dessaline and Haiti coined, we had a December 12th movement use it. But we don't realize it came from Dessaline during the Haitian Revolution. And that phrase was freedom or death. It wasn't Patrick Henry that said it. It was Dessaline that said it. <laughs> freedom or death. I still believe in that. Dr. Smalls, over the years, because uh, I understand the conference that you, uh, uh, Dr. Jeffries, uh, Dr. Klingman, and others that have been out here in the vineyard, working for a number of years. Tell us about this conference, because you find a lot of our people that ask questions. Uh, it's another conference. Uh, it's nothing going on. And generally, when people say that, that when they point fingers, it's, it's three or four pointed back at themselves. But well, talk talk about the conference itself and the things yeah. that were accomplished, and that's different than others that you had been a part of. Well, it wasn't that different. Okay. And most of the people that point fingers are the people who don't attend the conference. You know, and that's the sad thing. 
because it's like someone want to be a carpenter but don't want to Your voice faded just a little bit. Say that again. Yeah, there are some people who, there are those people who want to be carpenters, but don't want to a, apprentice as carpenters. Okay. Okay. They want to build a house, but they don't want to learn the trade of building. And we have too many of our people who do that. And you, they'll say, oh, it's just another conference. So ask them which conference they were at and what were their contribution to that conference. What a conference, this is deal with the concept. A conference is the coming together of our best minds to try and solve basic problems, or at least make recommendations for the solutions to our basic problems. And that's what this conference did. We had some of the best minds in the African world, coming from the Caribbean, Central South America, North America, they were sitting down. We had the vice chancellor of the, 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 the University of the West Indies. We had Daniel Glover. We had Minister Farrakhan. We had Malala Kavanga. We had Leonard Jeffries. You know, we had Dr. Ron Daniels. We had so many others, and we were looking at different categories. We were looking at religion and spirituality. We were looking at reparations. You know, we were looking at business and economics in the black community. And Sister Cambone did an excellent job in that sector. We were looking at Africa and the issues and the crisis in Africa today. And we were making recommendations on how to go forward with trying to solve some of the problems that we have faced as African peoples. And we had the plenaries over the first three days. Then on Saturday, we had workshops that lasted all day on each of the topics that was addressed. And people had to choose one workshop and spend the whole day working in there to come up to solutions to our problems, which will soon be published by the Institute of the Black World and distributed for any sincere black person or others of color who want to use these solutions to help and solve their problems. Professor Smalls, did it surprise you the number of young people that attended and the, the diligence? You know, the conference was five days. Did it surprise yeah. you the number of young people that, that attended and the diligence of them oh, being no. there? And I was so, so happy. You know, I've been hanging out with the young folks for the last <laughs> Five to seven years. Okay. The the red, black, and green, <laughs> the Inbuff group, and we had the leader of Inbuff, who's a young brother, um, out of Washington D.C. and uh, Salim, um, who was there and was on a number of panels and presented well. We had other young people. We had Sister Cambone from Buy Black 365. Mm -hmm. um, we had other young blacks presenting on panels. Um, and, and, and on panels with elders. And um, it was just fascinating to see the young people and the elders and, and the in-between working together, trying to create the bridge necessary for the intergenerational transmission of wisdom and information. That was beautiful. Um, just a week before, 
I was in Atlanta, Georgia, receiving the Black Power Award, and I'm so thankful to those young people. I mean, you have they had 7,000 nominees. And at the end of the day, in the 13 categories, three-person per category, I got the award for historian uh, of the millennium. Okay. You know, so that that was fantastic. These are the young people. And and I watched the different um, groups, the different organizations, and they were together all day, meshing and working. Not an argument, not a negative moment, not a not an abusive word. And they were wearing their traditional clothes. I'm talking about everybody from young Pharaoh to Professor Griff. Okay. And we had a fantastic time. So I wasn't surprised to see the young people there. I was just Im- impressed at the level of articulation with which our young people presented themselves at the conference. Because we know that this generation is the greatest generation that we've ever produced. And I'm not worried about them. When I'm gone and Dr. Jeffries is gone and Dr. Daniel is gone and Danny Glover and Minister Farrakhan, when we go to the ancestors, I'm not the least bit worried that these young people are going to take it to the next level because they are already doing it. Well, I'm glad, as you said, that the uh, the conference, and from what I heard from uh, Sister Nataki and all, was focused on what we can do in decades from now, moving our people forward. And it mm-hmm. did, we didn't spend time uh, speaking about this election and Donald Trump and wasting time instead of focusing on what we need to do. I don't think we no, have to worry about what Europeans are going to do because history right. and shows. That was the theme. Okay. The theme was what can we do for ourselves? Okay. How can we build for ourselves? It doesn't matter which one of those European managers is managing this oligarchic dictatorship called American democracy. We're going to be in the same condition. Okay. So what are we going to do for ourselves? That was the theme throughout. And everybody played to that economically. They played to that politically. They played to that culturally. We look heavily at reparations because we are talking about some damage you did and your criminal behavior towards us. We want to be paid and repaired. And so it was a beautiful conference in that we looked at all of the basic issues, relationship between Africans on the continent and Africans in the diaspora, the the economic interaction between Africans in the diaspora and Africans in the continent and Africans in the Caribbean? How do we fuse our businesses and create greater corporate structures for ourselves? Okay. You know, we looked at the education system. What do we do concerning the education system? Do we do more homeschooling? We definitely have to do Saturday schools and after schools while we fight to take control of our community schools, which are called public schools. But those schools in our neighborhood was bought by our tax money. We'd be a fool to keep letting the crackers take it away from us. Those are our schools. But you have to view something in a certain way in order to react to it in the appropriate way. Okay. If you keep saying it's their schools, then you advocate and say they got a right to take your tax money and give you no service for it. But if you understand that your tax money is paying those teachers, paying that principal, 
and paying for that school, then you go take over your school and make it do for your children what you send your children there to have done for them. Okay. And I think that was made very clear. But to support our children, we should do Saturday schools, Sunday schools, and after schools to make sure they know their history, to make sure they're tutored in math and science so they can compete with anyone else sitting in the classroom beside them. I fully agree, absolutely. Uh, let's go to a few callers. Uh, first up is 215, area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Richard, Philadelphia. How are you, sir? Hey, uh, good. Richard. Uh, good to hear from you, uh, Baba Smalls, uh, that, and, uh, and congratulations for the award. Thank you, sir. That Thank you, sir. It's 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 interesting as I hear you because I remember when you were coming through Philadelphia, that energy that you have, and the consistency in the message of um, nation building. So, um, I appreciate that. Um, Thank you, sir. I'm I'm glad that I, I was. Well, let me ask you this, and I, and I'm trying not to be abstract. And as you were ending or talking about school, I've been saying. Um, projecting at this point in my life that that our children is our natural resource. I mean, it's our political economy. We're getting a little interference. I don't know whether that's in your background, Brother Richard. No, I don't have anything on. Okay. I don't have anything on. Okay. I'm in the house alone. Go go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. And and so I I was wondering, um, one, do you agree with that? And that's why it's important to, you know, have oh, no. our children school. is our children is our only real assets. Our right. children in the African spiritual tradition, we have a concept in Yoruba called Awo. I mean, they go and they come. And I always tell our people that our children is the best of our genes, our latest model and our highest tech version of ourselves. They're the compilation of the DNA construct of millions of years of ancestors. And so that's the only future the race has, is the children. And that's why it's essential that we take control of the schools in our communities. It's not their schools. Those are our schools. Claim what's yours and own it. And we're not doing that. We don't have the capacity or the consciousness to build enough school in the next hundred years to take care of our children in some independent way. Let's take the schools we've already built with our tax monies, and let's take control of it. I don't want to go to a PTA meeting and see seven parents there when there's 2,000 children in the darn school. I should see 4,000 parents up in there. You know what I'm saying? And then you can take over. Then it's your school. But we got to take responsibility for taking control of these institutions that are educating our children, and we can only do it by showing up. We understand that all of us can't get to the PTA meeting because some of us are working, but we can put hundreds more than we're doing, and that would be enough. That would be enough. On parent-teacher night, We go there and we demand an end to parent-teacher night, and we want a PTA, not a PA. Hmm. Because a PA is parents talking to parents. A PTA is parents talking to teachers. 
if you don't want a PTA, let the union get out of our schools or close them down. But we got to be serious because the only future we have is in the asset we call children. And when my kids was in school, elementary and high school, I spent eight years as president of PTAs because I was wanted to be right there. I took my lunch break and went and helped do campus security for, for my children in the schoolyard. That's what we got to do. And even when they went on to college, I was right up in them college from Hampton to City College in New York, making sure nobody messed over my children. If they came home with a grade and said, Daddy, I don't think I deserve this because look at my paper, I was up in that teacher's office. Because it's my responsibility as the daddy. I'm still the daddy. They're all married now. But I'm still daddy. I'm talking to husbands and wives, making sure they check their shit at the door, you know, <laughs> when they come up in this family. So the, the, the concept that I live by is that we are African peoples, and it didn't change because somebody put some chains on our wrists. We came to this nation, we were able to survive thus far because we were African peoples behaving as African people. Yes, the enemy has confused us and bamboozled us and has fractured our consciousness and, and shattered our minds or shattered our consciousness and fractured our minds, but we still have enough African in there to fight for survival. And that's what this conference was this week, past weekend. It was a fighting for survival by the best of our minds, young and old, male and female, saying we ain't never giving up. You don't give a damn who leading the country. We have an obligation to lead our African nation into a better future. And that's what the conference was about. And that's what people were talking about and, and working towards and coming up with plans for around things, economic, politics, cultural, and around the issue of reparation. Because we're never going to let that issue go. The Japanese didn't let it go until they get it. The Native Americans didn't let it go. The Jews didn't let it go. The Poles in Europe didn't let it go. Why should we let it go? They all got reparations. And we're supposed to pretend we don't deserve it when the worst crime in the history of the world was committed against us? I'm going to be talking about Fidel tomorrow on Carl's show. And one of the things we don't know about the history of Cuba you know, I was going you know, to ask, you, I was going to ask war, you about that, but go ahead. Yeah, and, but in the war against the Spanish, the majority of the Cubans' troops who fought to destroy Spain and free Cuba were black. And when the war was over, the white-skinned Cubans tell the black folks to go back in your place. The black folks form the first black political party in the Western Hemisphere in Cuba after that Spanish war. And guess what the whites of Cuba did? They murdered 11 million black people over a 20-year period. And the world want us to friggin' forget about it? But Fidel grew up with those black people. Even though his father was a plantation owner, he lived out there with black folks and grew up with black folks. And when the revolution struck his first blow, it came from Oriente province, which was the black province of Cuba. And Fidel has kept his word as a black man. His light skin didn't fool him. 
he knew he was a black man, and that's why he sent his brothers and sisters to fight in Angola and Mozambique and, and, and Namibia and broke the back of the South African army and the <laughs> Americans. And so these people over here can say what they want to say, but we know the Fidel that we love. We know the Fidel that sent Che Guevara to the Congo after the American government murdered Patrice Lumumba. That's our Fidel. And we love him and we respect him. And, you know, his spirit is now with the African ancestors talking to Oshun and Yemoya and Shango and Obatola about the good work that he did in the 90 years he was here. You know, it's kind of ironic when you look at the, uh, the popular media and they're asking Cubans <laughs> about uh, Castro. Uh, they're talking to European uh, or white-skinned Cubans. I've never mm-hmm. seen uh, the criminals uh, that whose family committed the crime of genocide against 11 million Afro-Cubans. Yeah, I've never That's seen them interviewed. I've never seen any uh, Afro-Cubans interviewed in reference to Fidel, Fidel Castro. And I was going to ask you mm-hmm. about your opinions mm-hmm. on him because uh, uh, he stayed in the Teresa Hotel. I love him. He's the, one of the greatest revolutionaries in the history of the world. Because I know that you remember the OAAU, and he stayed at the Teresa Hotel when he met with Malcolm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Like I said, he's my big brother, and I love him <laughs> to eternity. Richard, I know you got a few more questions. Stay with us, Richard. Uh, let me take a couple of these other callers. Let's go to two one five six two six. What's your name? Where you calling from? Two one five six two six. You watching television? Two one five six two six. Going once. Let's move to our next caller. Let's go to six four six area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is this is Brother Jay, um, Brother Elliot. How are uh, you, sir? Is Brother Reggie here? Say that again. Is Brother Reggie there? No, Reggie's not here right now. He he should oh. be joining us soon. Hey, hey, Brother Brother Smalls, how how are you today? I'm good, my brother. I'm good. Peace and blessings to you. Yes, yes, yes. We go way back to first world. All right. I remember. I remember back in the day. If this has to do with the question that I'm, I'm gonna ask you. I noticed now that Dr. Reggie and some of these other brothers are out there, you know, speaking and you know doing some of the things that they do. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things I remember back in the day when we was at First World, how there was basically a pecking order. I remember when you first started coming around or you was there and I first started coming to the lectures and stuff like that. You know, some of the things that these guys were doing, they just couldn't do back then. (laughs) And, you know, I remember when Reggie first started, we would be in the class, the study groups with, you know, Dr. Jeffries and all of y'all, and he was like Dr. Jeffries' right-hand man, in a sense. You know what I mean? But really what I'm asking you is, what do you think of the leadership that we have with these so-called, I call them video intellectual gangsters who really, to me, don't do the study 
that we were doing back in the day, or may have, but just wasn't given the approval of the elders like Dr. Clark and Dr. Ben and them gave you the right to get up and do your first lecture and all of that. I, I mean, you know, what what do you feel about the process of them brothers and what they're doing? Because I don't think they're really leading us nowhere. I think they're taking well, advantage of us. No, well, it depends on how you look. I know Brother Reggie. I was with him last night. We were with Dr. Jeffries for the launching of his foundation. We Things are different today. Dr. Clark, when he came up, he never attended a college. He was a self-taught historian, um, just like many of these young brothers are. Um, we call him Dr. Clark. He has honorary doctor's degree, but he never earned a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate in anybody's university. He studied on his own, and he right. mastered that knowledge on his own. And a lot of these young brothers are doing the same. Brother Reggie has a bachelor's degree. He's an yeah, engineer. No, he is an engineer in computer science. He's worked in the field of law, but he was in ASCAC from the very inception of ASCAC, and he was That's the right. vice president of the e Let me finish. He was vice president of ASCAC Eastern Region for four years under me when I was the president of the Eastern Region. So he's not a novice to the movement. And if you look at some of his work, now Brother Reggie has done some of the best research on Kemet I've seen in the last decade. So they're using different tools and different methods than we were using when you and I were at the First World. We were basically using books and libraries, but now these young people got all these electronic tools and the Internet and um, cyberspace and all of this other stuff to find information that we couldn't have dreamt of back then. So some of them, yes, I agree, are not disciplined and ordered and structured like they should be. But people who are fighting a war fight from the consciousness they are. I like Brother Seti. He cusses too much. You know, he's too profane. But if you look at the data that Seti is pulling up, it's some of the best research data you want to see on Kemet. So some of us elders is trying to tell Seti, tone down the profanity and teach the wisdom. You know, we can't leave them out there and criticize them. It's our job to confront them. And so I go out there with them. You know, I hang out with the red, black, and green. I hang out with the Amon Ross squad. I hang out with Brother Seti and others to try and help them to present the best teaching possible. Because that's what it's about, using whatever medium we have. Tomorrow I'm going to be on Sarnetta TV. Sometimes Sarnetta even gets me upset with him. But Sarnetta reached a couple of million black people around the world. So no, no I, I heard you. No, I'm just, I'm just, I was just asking you because I know how it was back in the day. You know, I mean, Reggie, I've known Reggie over 30-some years. So the, mm -hmm. the point of the matter, what I'm trying to say is, like, you just, what, I'm, what my critique is, brothers, like Sarah said, to me, I just I just couldn't see him behaving like that. Around no, he wouldn't have behaved like that around Dr. Clark. Ben and, and Dr. Clark. Right. That's true. <laughs> he couldn't do that then. Right. And this is somebody who knew Dr. Ben, right. who, who grew up in the craft, but we have to deal with these young people where they're at. You know, I would love it if Seti would get
give up the profanity and just stick to the information. But he ain't going to do that unless somebody like me keep coming up in his face, not condemning him, but working with him to see why he need to use his tools differently. And sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes they get pissed off at me, too. But I ain't never been nobody's punk. You know what I'm saying? No. I'll step to the best of these young brothers, and I'm probably in better shape than most of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And a much well-trained art martial artist than any of them, I'm sure. So my thing is is that the teaching, teaching methodology is different today, and the, and, and the approach is different. And that's what I learned from this conference. There was one panel at the State of the Black World Conference where the young people and the elders were discussing the relationship between the elders and the youth and how to best bridge that gap and keep the communication going. And that was, to me, one of the most enlightening on conference because they would have, I mean, panel. They would have a youth speak <laughs> with a point of view, then an elder speak with a point of view. And they did that throughout the panel. And what I got at the end of it is that we had reached the bridge. We had built the bridge. We just have to use it. We build the intergenerational bridge, but we had to use it, you know, with respect. Respect for elders by youth. Respect of youth by elders. But youth have to remember, you can't say because I am, I have an idea, I have a right to express it without any regards for what exists in what what is going on now. What the youth has to do, and this is what this generation, and some of them have failed at, and that is showing the respect for the elders as a uh, someone who can critique their work. And, and, and that's possibly the Internet has given them the opportunity where they can bypass the elder critique. So that may be where your criticism is best placed. Oh, yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with you there. A lot of them have, um, you know, just bypassed the elders' critique. But it's also up to us, the elders, to go and say, yo, hold up. Because I started showing up at their debates, and I started showing up at the meetings. And most of them didn't know me. I've been out here 50 years, but a lot of them didn't know me. So that's why I love this conference that just happened this weekend or last week in those five days. It brought the young people who are out here doing work politically, doing work economically, doing work culturally together with the elders that are doing the same work okay. and have done this work. And that made sense. Jay, listen, I'll leave, you, I'll leave you with this. With Dr. Dr. Small, uh, where, where, based on your conference and based on what happened at the conference and all that you just said, where, where do we go from here as a people? Because I remember one of the things that well, Dr. Remember, Carl, we are 80 million said. people, and you can't operate like we're dealing with 1,000 people. We're not dealing with 1,000 people. We're dealing no, with no, close I'm, to 80 million. No, let me finish, because sometimes you just ask the question, where do we go from here? And I would say to you, there is no we to go anywhere. <clears throat> Where do you live? I live in Harlem. What organization do you belong to? Um, right now, 
right now I'm not involved in the New York organization. We'll find one because that's what's going to determine where we go from here. Because you've got to belong to an organization and you've got to be struggling towards a goal. And then what we need to do, the Institute of the Black World have a website. They're working now to synthesize the work done at that conference so that they can put forth to our people the, the information that we discussed and the solutions we've offered and the programs we offered. It'll probably take another week for all of, the, all of it to be done. But go to the, the website of the Institute for the Black World and you'll see what was discussed and what some of the recommendations are that you can take and use both as an individual and with your group. But there's no way we're going to solve this problem unless all of us join something, no matter what it is. It can even be the church or the mosque, but join something that's fighting against the oppression, join something that's fighting against those that are trying to take our freedom away. Jay, thank you for your call, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, my brother. Good to hear your voice. And we need to get together because I'm right here in New York. Let's go to, uh, got a caller here, uh, 626 caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oh, yeah, this is Carl. I'm calling out from Long Beach, California. How are you, Carl? Real good. Carl. First First off, I have to thank you guys, especially Black Talk Radio. I, I really appreciate it. I've been listening to you guys for a few years. And Baba James Smalls, I can't thank you enough for all the work that you've been doing for, you, I mean, for the decades. Just to be able to, to, to say thanks is, you know, has made my month, my year. <laughs> um, the thing that I just want to ask a real quick question, and I'm a trends forecaster, and I deal a lot with the economy in terms of geopolitical, as well as like a lot of socioeconomic things that are happening around, uh, especially in particular for Black folk. Three things, and I, you know, w- you know, what, what's your, you know, what's your opinion or what your advice would be for us as a race? First off, this new environment because of Trump and and the the hardcore right wing type of environment that's happening. Um, the three things that I would um, because it's going to only get worse, you know, in terms of this environment. When I say worse, they're, they're, it's become econo ethnic protectionist, and in other words, protect their money, protect their people. And we're not just seeing it with Trump; we're seeing it worldwide, all around. You know, the immigrants and whatnot. The three things that I, I'm, you know, that I would like to get your advice for our race is one: how do we protect ourselves? Two: the best ways to exist in this type of new right-wingization type of environment, and three: as a race, how do we conquer and take our destiny into our own hands? And I'll go ahead and take the answer off the air. Thank you guys again yes. so much. Thank you, my brother. Call. Thank you for but your call, there's, man. There's one answer to all three of those questions. And that answer is unite with your own kind. Charity, as the Christian victims put it, begins at home and spread abroad. In terms of just natural science, charity begins at home and spread abroad. Africans have to stop thinking we can be everything to everybody when nobody thinks they can be everything to us. And so we have to begin to practice good economic politics and culture. We have to make sure that the dollar that we spend is spent with black people wherever and however we can, and that that dollar that we spend circulating 
in our community at least eight to nine times before it leaves. Right now, the dollars circulate in our community once to two times before it leaves, and that's why there's no wealth left in our community. And we need to study. Um, first, there's a group out here that you can join, and you can go online and look at the website. It's called Buy Black 365. Mm-hmm. And one of the officers in it is our sister, Sister Cambone, Nataki Cambone. But Buy Black 365, they have a, so many different programs and even an international perspective. Brother Mel Foote and the Constituency for Africa. Mel Foote and his Constituency for Africa. You can go online and find it. Another organization that you can look at to look at the political interaction between Africa and those of us in America. But Buy Black 365 is significant and important that we should go to their website and try to really hook up with those young people. And now to come back more specifically to what we have to do. One, we must learn our history. History is the best medicine in the world. Dr. Wade Noble said we are suffering from a shattered consciousness and a fractured black identity. And the best way to repair the shattered consciousness and the fractured identity is to study the history of African America, to study the history of Africa, so you can know where you are and stop mistaking our enemies for our friends. Hillary Clinton is no more or no less an enemy than Donald Trump. We didn't have a choice in this election. We have never had a choice. Okay. The one thing I think we may have come out on the better end with Donald Trump, because the elements which Hillary Clinton represents have been screwing us since 1913 when they helped to found the NACP while they sabotaged the Niagara Movement and sabotaged the movement led by T. Thomas Fortune, which most of you don't know about, called the Afro-American League. Those are the same people who sabotaged Booker T. Washington and probably murdered Booker T. Washington. Those are the same people who kicked W.B. Du Bois out of the NACP and made him a pariah. Those are the same people who ostracized um, Paul Robeson and made him a prisoner in America when they took his passport away and treated him like trash. And we went along with that and treated him like trash ourselves, so he died in obscurity in a hospital in Philadelphia. Mm. So we need to study our history. You know what? We're going to take a to learn who our friends and our enemies are. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with one of our living treasures. Dr. James Small is with us this evening in conversation, and you can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Dr. Smalls, we're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Brother Richard, stay with us. We'll be right back.
are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. This is Professor Griff from Public Enemy. People keep saying black people need to do this and black people need to do that. Well, frankly speaking, I think it's a whole lot of talk, a whole lot of philosophy and a whole lot of head nodding. But where is the action? I'm suggesting everyone that's within the sound of my voice, we need to get on board with this national black economic empowerment movement. Let's buy black. 365.com. That's Let's Buy Black, 365.com. This is Professor Griffin, Public Enemy, and I'm out. Peace. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go and what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. Our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m., with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, and we're joined in conversation this evening. Let me, I'm a, I'm a, what, what is the call numbers for the station, brother, so people can tune in on my end? 215-490. Nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Two one five four nine zero ninety eight eight thirty two. Ninety eight thirty two. Okay, I'm back on the air. Okay. <laughs> and again, I was if, talking about my sisters in Philly. Oh, don't no call her. And listen, if people want to hear us, us streaming live, it's that you can go to four locations. You can go to timeforawakening.com that's timeforanawakening.com 
blacktalkradionetwork.com. Put that in your address bar. Make that one of your favorites. You can go to Black Talk Radio Network forward slash time for an awakening. You can go to YouTube. We're streaming live there. And you can go to the TuneIn app. That's a free app. And it's, you can download it to your desktop, your iPad, your smartphone. And in the search engine, type in time for an awakening. So the program is streaming live at those four locations. But you can yeah. dial in. Could you announce those four locations again real quick? I'll pay for it by talking my heart out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's uh, timeforanawakening.com. We're streaming live there at the website. That's timeforanawakening.com. You can go to Black Talk Radio Network forward slash time for an awakening and listen to a streaming live there. You can go to YouTube, the Black Talk Radio Network, and listen to a streaming live on YouTube. And you can go to the TuneIn app. TuneIn is a free app. You can download it, and we're streaming live on TuneIn. Just type in Time for an Awakening in the TuneIn search engine. So those four locations, you can hear us streaming live. But if you want to participate on the phone, just dial 215-490-9832. And I went to the at 71. That was one of my high school friends who lives in Philly, who I just called. Okay. Because I forgot to call her earlier. <laughs> All right. Wow. Dr. Smalls, uh, before yes, you know, sir. I got a couple of questions I want to delve into that uh, that spirituality aspect because that's always been something that. Well, we got a full board. Let me take a few of these callers and, and uh, yes, kind of get a few of them involved. Let's go to three o one area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Three o one area. This is uh, Sister Nataki. How are you? Oh, how are you, Sister? Hi, Sister Nataki. How are you doing? <laughs> I am well. I am well. It's good to hear everyone's voice on the line this evening. Um, really, really enjoying the the discussion. Um, and I, I wanted to just offer two um, brief comments. One, Baba James, I'm gonna get on you for for uh, getting the name of the organization wrong. Uh, I did. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I think Brother Elliot or Brother Reggie would catch it, but um, <laughs> let's buy black three six five dot com. You got to put that let's in let's, the whole collection okay. part is important on the front to make sure you you uh, get that. And um, and you know, coming soon, uh, people will also be able to listen to Time for an Awakening directly through the app. So we're really excited about that. Okay. Um, but you know to the to the caller's point about the state of the black world and getting involved i just wanted to echo and and you know really appreciate you for you know em- emphasizing the importance of people getting involved with organizations yes, um i we recognize that we are beyond the point where we can just wait for other people to do things and that it will magically fix our lives like the the call to action is for each one of us so um, really, really appreciate that statement and sentiment, and also just wanted to offer um, that you know, as I moderated the economics plenary, uh, I just wanted to share that the call to action for those of us who moderated sessions there were only seven sessions was that one, it start not regurgitating the problems, but it start with solutions, and based on that, uh, I can't speak for the other tracks yet because we haven't had that that meeting but our economics meeting has put forth a four-year plan excuse me that is going to start with one initial um campaign that every black person in america can 
participate in and is going to follow a systematic approach to making sure that we actually carry forward this economics agenda. And we had over 100 people in our session on Saturday last week, and Mm -hmm. that we had about 20 people join us for a conference call this past Tuesday where everyone is is actually actively participating. So, you know, I I heard an undertone in in the caller's voice that, you know, things aren't happening and, and, you know, nobody's doing anything. But, you know, that's why we have black media and black radio and programs like Time for an Awakening because, you know, the 11 o'clock news is never going to tell you about how black people are organizing around the country. You have to get involved with organizations and stay plugged in to be aware of what's going on. Well, thank you, Sister Nataki. You're right on point. Um, and that's why I always tell people we're not 5,000 or 2,000 people. We're close to 80 million people. And we're doing things all over this nation. Yes, there are sectors where there's confusion and people don't know what to do. But there's many sectors where people are trying to solve problems. We are in a big piece of geography in North America. We are an African people, but a multicultural African people. The culture of the people in South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia, the African people may be different from the culture of people in Central and Northern California. But our relationship as an African people allow us to override our cultural variety like any cultural group of people do. And we need to stop looking at ourselves like a minority and a a miniature people and looking ourselves in the vastness that we represent here in North America. And I think we'll better be able to approach the problem, the primary problem I think we have is the problem of being unified around the group's interest, politically, economically, and culturally. Unification around group interests, politically, economically, and culturally. And yes, economic is the base. But unless it's informed by a culture that is ethical and moral and principled, that one trillion plus dollars we spent last year will be a waste as it was. It will be a waste next year because those who control and dispense that $1.3 trillion is not culturally consolidated. And so they can't aggregate the $1.3 million for the group's interests. And that's why history is so important. It tells you not only what your relationship is, it tells you what your relationship should be. Sister Nataki, I want to thank you for your call. Thank you, ma'am. I'll be in touch. Nothing and else. let's buy black 365. <laughs> I got it, sis. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dr. Smalls, I, I, you know what? Let, let me, because t- this call's been holding on. Let, let me see yes, if sir. I can. Uh, 602 area code. What's your name? Where you're calling from? 602? Yes, yes good brother. Hello. How are you, sir? Hello. Yes, but this brother Marcus calling from Memphis, Tennessee. How are you? Hey, brother Marcus. I'm, How are you I'm doing? doing I'm doing fantastic, good brothers. You know, Dr. Small, I saw you at um, in Jamaica and the um, the Muta Baruka. Uh, oh, August. yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was fantastic. Fantastic know. day. Fantastic. fantastic. And, you know, I, I want you to expound a little bit <laughs> on Marcus Garvey 
and, and Carlos Cooks and how that fits into the context of our present situation, uh, expound a little bit on, on, on liberation and how that play into um, some solutions. And I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, take care. Thank Marcus, you very much. Thank you as always for your call, man. Yes, sir. No problem. Thank you. You know, we'll start with Brother Cook, who was head of the African Pioneer, um, African Pioneer, you know, when your brain's tired. But <laughs> Dr. Carlos Cook was a follower of the Honorable Marcus Garvey and a part of the UNIA. Marcus Garvey, who was a good fan of Booker T. Washington, which people don't like to talk about, because Booker T. and Washington was brothers, comrades, and friends. And when Marcus came to this country, he said, one of the things I want to do is institute the Tuskegee model that Booker T. had put together. Because him and Booker had been corresponding for years, ever since Booker Washington held the conference on the, the what should be called the first Pan-African conference. Well, it's called the Conference on the Negro World. And so what Garvey did was he was able to come and work with his comrades both in the Caribbean and Central South America and the United States to put together a comprehensive economic plan, a comprehensive cultural plan, a comprehensive approach to understanding how we should politically develop. And much of the the areas that Garvey put together in the UNIA are the foundation for the things that we're trying to do today. Trying to buy black on the real side develop black businesses, develop black corporations and black enterprises, to do your business with black people, trading with blacks in other countries, to develop black corporate structures that not only national, but like the black star line would be international. And so he gave us a blueprint of a sort that we can use much of which we can use today. Um, And so when we think of Carlos Cook trying to further that, with the African Nationalist Pioneer Movement, which followed uh, Brother Garvey, working around the same way. How do we control the economics, the politics, and culture in the neighborhoods we live in? Meaning we must own the businesses. We must control the services. We must control the school and the police and the fire where we live. Not go messing around nobody else's community. Let them do that for themselves. You know, and that's what Garvey was trying to teach us, to do for ourselves what others are begging for. And today, that's what we're still talking about. It wasn't new when Garvey said it. Others had come before him. But he had crystallized it in the largest world organization of African people ever in history and haven't been duplicated since. And so now we're trying to get back to that place where we can organize Africans around the world to understand the necessity of doing for self, as Elijah Muhammad tried to teach us following up on Marcus Garvey, buying from your own people so that you have the wealth and resources to employ your own kind, controlling the real estate and the wholesale and the retail businesses where you reside. That's what makes a neighborhood a community. So I think that's about as best as I can state that. And that's all of these things is what was discussed at this conference in varying ways to various degrees 
offering up recommendations and solutions, which you can find by going to the website of the Institute of the Black World. I don't think they've completed with the assessing and the <laughs> consolidating yet, but give them another week. And I think you'll be able to be pleasantly surprised that any organizations in our community will find something there that they can use to help develop the course that they're on. Professor Small, the um, the address by Minister Farrakhan to the conference on Sunday, I, I saw mm-hmm. uh, a portion of it sent to me by Brother Milton Alamadi of the Black Star News. Um, I've heard Minister Farrakhan before. He's a great speaker. Talk about talk about your opinion of what Minister Farrakhan stated. I think it was, well, I'll let you talk about it. Well, I thought, you know, me and the minister, we go back decades okay. and decades. Um, this, and I've seen him speak hundreds of times. And um, this speech, though, was different. Okay. Because of one statement a statement that parallels statement or echoed a statement that Malcolm said. But Malcolm said, put your religions in the closet <laughs> and let's come together as Africans. I heard the minister said, this is not about religion. This is about freedom. That is freedom that's going to bring us together. And then we can get back to what religion we have. And I'd never heard him say that before. Okay. I also saw him addressing he didn't come out and do a promo for the Nation of Islam. But he came out and he piggybacked on the extraordinary dissertation that was given by Dr. Maulana Karanga, talking about unity, talking about ethical, moral principles under which we should organize ourselves as Africans to develop our economic foundation, our cultural foundation, and our political foundation. It was one of the better speeches I've ever seen the minister give. Okay. I've never seen him that relaxed in a long time, which was another thing, you know. Um, he, but he, he was just relaxed and fluid with his people, and, and then he raised the question. He didn't talk about Muslims. He didn't talk about Christians. He talked about love. His love for African people was the thing that propelled him to continue to do the work that he's doing. And so you may add some things to that, but those are some of the things I got from it that I thought was vintage when we look at it later. Okay. He called Malcolm's name and referred to Malcolm as being his teacher eight or nine times, you know. And I know for all those who like to give the minister a hard time, because he was so hard on Malcolm when the breakup came. But I can tell you from the inside of Malcolm's family and organization, Mr. Farrakhan had nothing to do with the death of Malcolm X. And anybody that want to challenge me on that, step on up to the plate. Because I don't hide. <laughs> Let's go. And that's the truth. Let's go to 202, area code. 202, area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Good evening. My name is Maka Taylor. I am calling from D.C. How are you? Um, How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Good evening. Good evening, family. Good evening. Um, First of all, thank you, uh, Baba Smalls. I actually did some work with one of your colleagues over the summer producing the Maya Conference. 
Yes, um, ma'am. So for you to, you know, bring up young Sarah, I'm totally appreciative. I love the information he brings. Um, I just wanted to share, too, to piggyback if I could, that I also heard the minister and Baba Karanga refer to the fact that, you know, our consciousness could speed up the time on this thing if we could tap into the consciousness. Yes, and um, as a participant there, and this is in no way, if I may just share, uh, uh, I put myself in all kinds of rooms on our behalf, um, more so especially because I'm in D.C. and understanding this is the international seat of government. I go mm-hmm. into Brookings and Pew and to all the other places that they're at to see where we register. What I found in my research is we don't even register on their ratings, and I wish the economists would have stayed on because even when they talk about unemployment, all of those things, we know that it's worse for us. And if you understand oh, D.C., yeah. it's the worst in Ward A, D.C. So I'm saying that to say that um, when I come into these rooms or when I came into that room, I really kind of wanted to hear more direction. So I want, I would like for you to speak to me, especially being one who's looking to mobilize, organize, rally. And I I stay affiliated. I don't exactly – I commit to the cause. I don't commit to the people, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I allow myself to remain fluid. But what I see when I'm out here is people looking for more direction than conversation. And I'm finding that they seem a lot more receptive if we were to come in and say, okay, look – We can agree that we're oppressed across the globe. We can agree that we need to mobilize. We can agree that we need resources. And that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it from, but I'm a nobody, as the other brother was referring to earlier. So when I'm looking at my elders, and if I'm thinking like this, that, okay, we can't agree on this, but we can't agree on this, so let's get this doctrine together. Okay, we know that we have resources. They're just not necessarily at the at the lower part, so how do we then mobilize this larger part of the 1% of us to then begin to create that trickle down so that we can go ahead and progress this in a speedier fashion, if that makes sense? So. What would you offer to somebody like me who understands I have a commanded tone to begin with, I'm not coming in an aggressive manner, but there is a sense of urgency in now. And if you don't understand it and if I still got to break this down, just put on a T-shirt and get behind me. Did that make sense? No. <laughs> because the, the, everything you said makes sense, except okay. the urgency of now has always been there. Right. But again, look at our numbers. And look at the force we're up against, the most powerful political instrument any humans had ever built. And they're not sitting there static and letting us beat up on them and take them apart. They're fighting back every minute trying to counter everything that we do. And so it becomes important that we understand the need to have an analysis of what is wrong with us. And I often hear people say, we got to stop restating the problem. No, you can't restate the problem enough. enough. Okay. And one of the problems is we keep saying, stop talking about the problem. Let's talk about the solution. You're not going to find a solution to a problem you don't understand. And one of the problems is that we don't understand the problem. And because we don't really study history. We take a few events. Let me finish. Yes, sir. We need to understand what the problem is. And one of the problems, the problem is that we don't have a way of uniting around the common interest that is economic, political, and cultural. Those three things, all groups unite around in terms of a common interest. 
we can't say that we're going to do what we just did in this election and in the last three and the last ten, throw everything we have in the Democratic Party and say we're uniting around a common political interest because that's totally unrealistic, and it has never worked for us. We need to start understanding what would be politically in the best interest of the African-American population. Nearly 80 million people across this nation. We just spent a trillion dollars, remember, last year. That is more than enough money to employ every unemployed person if the money was used well. Absolutely. So let's get, then we have to say, what is it, you know, Dr. Noble tried to lay it out in his book that's called The Island of Meme when he's talking about the fractured or the shattered consciousness and fractured identity. But what is it that we have to do within our smaller communities, like just say D.C., or even break D.C. down into five or six black parts? What would we have to do to control the economics in any one of those sectors? The first thing we have to do, I always tell people, is map your community. What that means is know who owns the stores on every block in your community. And secondly, find out, are those people who own those stores living in our community and investing in our community, or are they just there as leeches and exploiters of the economic of the community? Then you have to make a decision to close them down, and you simply do that by not shopping there anymore. But where do you get that collective consciousness? That's where organizations come in. We're organizing the churches, we're organizing the mosques, we're organizing the sororities, we're organizing the fraternities, and we have other civil um, organizations. But those civil organizations have to talk to each other over their differences. We do have differences, and we're not going to solve all of them right away. So let's try to find what is this thing we have in common. Employment may be one of those things. I agree with you where Europeans are bouncing at 4%, we're at 8%. Where poverty rate in their community is 12%, ours is at 27%. 27%, exactly. And Right, and so I'm saying these are the issues we've got to raise for why we've got to come together around the question of economics despite any other ideological, religion, or theological differences we have, which we can work on as we go forward. But right now, what are the things that we can unite around? And that's trying to take the economics in our community and try to control it to the degree that we can provide the food, clothing, shelter necessary for our community members. And that means you've got to find ways to employ people. And you can't employ people if you're shopping with people who do not employ our people. Right. And so we have to take some critical decisions on who we're going to close down and who we're going to keep open. And well, I just want to offer, too, that uh, Baba Karanga yes. spoke to the umbrella, and I'm very yes. interested in the umbrella because, uh, first of all, the way that I network and understanding that we need to, it would behoove us and benefit us to begin to position ourselves in positions since it is an all-hands-on-deck type of environment where, like right now, the uh, Center for Education Reform, they were looking for a president. And mm -hmm. so I kind of am working to create those types of things, but I can only go so far. So I'm just reaching mm -hmm. it out, and I'll work to reach towards you to be put further into contact. But I definitely 
understand at the core is mental health, understanding mm-hmm. what our position is, and working from an axis of power is what I work to share with those. So I thank you again, uh, also the radio show and the talkie. I'm going to email you, dissolve my debt, and I definitely want to talk that over with you. Right. And so the one thing with, the, with the Let's Buy Black six, uh, 365, it's not just about buying black. It's an extraordinary organizational construct. It's, it's that organization is about identifying the black businesses that are operating positively in our community and assessing and appraising those businesses so our people know which ones are really operating positively. And so there's a listing of what black businesses that we need to support also from that organization. So there's a lot there, and there are other organizations we need to partner with. Because if we can't provide the basic, because all of the stuff we're talking about comes down to the ability to provide food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security for ourselves and our family. That's what the fight is about. It's not about getting a degree. It's not about getting a job. It's not about being the director or the CEO. It is about providing food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security to ourselves and our people. And we must then try to look at what is the best method to do this. Given the fact that we did spend a trillion dollars last year, it means we are making money, at least in certain segments of our community. So the question then is, how do you organize that trillion dollars? And then we can proceed forward to look for methodologies for organizing that trillion dollars so that we can provide the jobs that young people need so they don't fall off into the sector of crime in order to make a living. Because most people, there may be some people don't give a damn and going to be criminals anyway, but most people go into crime because they're trying to feed themselves and they're trying to close themselves and they're trying to house themselves. And that's the only avenue they believe that they can take. Let's show them that there's other avenues that's attainable, that's possible for you to participate in to provide the food, clothing, shelter, safety for yourself and your family. And we'll cut crime in our community in half overnight. Absolutely. Sister Mika, I want to thank you for your call and call again. Thank you, sis. Thank you. Thank you all. And, and ask Nataki how to be in touch with me. She can give you my numbers. Certainly will, and thank you for that. I'm going to text her in a minute. All right. Okay, Peace. beloved. Peace and blessings. Likewise. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. You can get involved, too. At 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Our James Small is with us. We'll be right back. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your hosts elliot and reggie mr moderator our distinguished guests brothers and sisters our friends and, and our enemies <laughs> Everybody is here. As many of you know, uh, last March, when it was announced that I was no longer in the black Muslim movement, it was pointed out that it was my intention to work among the 22 million non-Muslim Afro-Americans and to try and form some type of organization or create a situation where the young people, our young people, the students and others, could study the problems of our people for a period of time and then come up with a new analysis and give us some new ideas and some new suggestions as to how to approach a problem that too many other people had been playing around with for too long. And that we would have some kind of meeting and determine at a later date whether to form a black nationalist party or a black nationalist army. (laughs) There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas and to come up with some kind of solution to the problem that confronts all of our people. And tonight we are here to try and get an understanding of what it is they've come up with. The economic philosophy of black nationalism only means that we should own and operate and control the economy of our community. You would never find, you can't open up a black store in a white community, white man won't even patronize you. And he's not wrong. He's in, he got sense enough to look out for himself. And you, you don't have sense enough to look out for yourself. The white man, the white man is too intelligent to let someone else come and gain control of the economy of his community. 
But you will let anybody come in and control the economy of your community, control the housing, control the education, control the jobs, control the businesses uh, under the pretext that you want to integrate. No, you're out of your mind. The political, the economic philosophy of black nationalism only means that we have to become involved in a program of re-education to educate our people into the importance of knowing that when you spend your dollar out of the community in which you live, the community uh, in which you spend your money becomes richer and richer, the community out of which you take your money becomes poorer and poorer. And because these Negroes who have been misled, misguided, are breaking their necks to take their money and spend it with the man. The man is becoming richer and richer, and you're becoming poorer and poorer. And then what happens? The community in which you live becomes a slum. It becomes a ghetto. The conditions become run down. And then you have the audacity to, com to complain about poor housing and a run-down community. Why, you run it down yourself when you take your dollar. Welcome back. The time for an awakening. Yeah, yeah, that's my beloved teacher right there. <laughs> I knew. I knew that you would enjoy that, <laughs> Doctor Swan. Yes. Uh, welcome back to Time for an Awakening, where we're in conversation this evening with the uh, activist and Pan African scholar Professor James Small is with us. In conversation, we were reflecting on the State of the Black World Conference. Other topics came up that are relevant to it, and we're going to go uh, back to the phones. Uh, let's try this line again. Uh, two one five six two six. What's your name? Where you calling from? Uh, brother Mo from Philadelphia. How are you, sir? Hey, brother Mo. Yeah, I, I was um um this, this guy, this brother named uh, Killer Mike. He was on Tavis Smiley, mm -hmm. and saying that many lines since he was saying that if, if a million black people like all on one weekend. You put a hundred dollars in a black bank, uh, credit union, or savings alone. Mm -hmm. there, there'd be a hundred hundred million dollars. And, I, and my thing is, I would take it a step further. Since you had these three marches: the Million Man March, the Million Woman March, and the Million Youth March. To me, they was they was symbolism without substance. To me, to give the march a substance, it's just hypothetical. So if you had Three million black people, like me, we each of these marches, right? And they commit to give up a hundred dollars a month if they can afford it, right? At the end of the year, you have three billion six hundred million dollars in a black bank credit union. But don't blame, don't blame the minister for having taken the actions he could see. Take the no, responsibility no, no, no. to make that call yourself. No, see? no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming Minister Farrakhan. Okay. I'm just. I'm just saying. No, and so I agree with you that we, that would be right on if we could do that. Yeah, if, if we could do that, and then we prioritize the money. Mm -hmm. And I would say the first group of people we should help is the black farmers because we need food to eat. And right. you can help them secure the land that they have, acquire more farmland, equipment, machinery, and trucks. And they can put our people to work. You can get, they can hire uh, men and women who, uh, who get CDL license to drive the trucks to the city to where their so-called food deserts. And we can also, you know, they can hire brothers 
the system can be on security in case somebody want to try to hijack the truck, and we're going to need mechanics to work on the truck. So you're putting our people to business. And then right. at the same time, we can stop dealing with these supermarkets and build our own markets. Right. But remember, that's not a new call. That's why there's a question of consciousness. I remember, I forgot the brother's name, but some of the biggest black supermarkets was in Philadelphia before it was in any other parts of the country. And somehow mm -hmm. we lost it. Um, I'm trying to remember his name because he came to New York in the 60s and he helped us build the black co-op markets up in New York, which we lost because other black folks working for the white folks and the unions broke the back of our business. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Leon Sullivan, Reverend Leon Sullivan. Yeah, this Reverend Sullivan. This is a brother from Philly. I can I, I remember how he looked. He had a beard. He was stocky. He, we were all kind of like young back then, you know. Mm -hmm. This was in the sixties, but Philly had led the way in black supermarket. Mm -hmm. And I wish the brother's name would come to mind because you'd probably recall him. But we got to revisit to that. We failed in that effort. And we not have to do just what you're saying now, revisit that effort. Because when those trucks come up from the farm, as you suggest, they got to be a place for that food to be taken. Yeah. yeah. we got to have yeah. markets yeah. for that to be taken. And all of this is about employment of our people. And so I agree with you, everything you've said, 100%. Matter of fact, this, this, when we came up on the commercial, the first thing I was going to talk about was putting our monies in black banks and black credit unions, and you mm -hmm. stepped in with it, and I go, okay, I don't even have to go there because this brother doesn't come on board with it. Because um, yeah, we, got, we got, you know, this is my opinion, I could be wrong, we got a, a mammy mentality when it comes to our What that mean? Like on a plantation, you had the mammy, and she would take her breast, that's what it calls a mammy, you had to call a mammy, she would take her breast out of the mouth of her black baby, and stick it in the mouth. But that's not historically true. That's myth. That's myth. Okay, well, well, black women took care of their black children on those plantations. I grew okay, up on one of those plantations. Okay, but still, they, they still, a lot of them still fed, fed white babies. Yes, so they did, because that under that duress and slavery, they were forced to do that. Okay. Now, okay, so, right, but don't, what, no, the only thing I'm saying is don't make a negative stereotype of our people where it doesn't exist. Because the okay, black mammy, that's a white folks' point of view. Black people okay. know that the mammy didn't exist. Okay, but I, I, look, I look at it like this here. The reason why I say that, we, if it did exist, we got that, that mammy mentality when it comes to economics. We take our economic dollars, our breasts, our economic breasts, our mouths, our, our Afro-American business, and we stick it in the mouths of the ass. The Chinese, the I agree with you 100%, but I wouldn't use the term mammy and defame our black mothers in that way to describe what we're doing. I would use the term, I would use the term ignorance. I would use the term false placement because we're caught up in a false humanity where we think it's being human to, 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 to deal in this manner with other people who don't feel it's being human to screw us over, you know, people telling us salam alaikum and selling us pork and beer at the same time, you know, and we thinking it's cool. So it's a question. That's why I would say history is the best medicine anybody can take. Hmm. 
If you don't study your history, you won't know the problem. And if you don't know the problem, no matter how good a solution a brother like you can present, I won't even see it if I don't know the problem. Because everything you've postulated so far is perfectly correct. Mo, thank and you for your call, man. the solution. Thank you for your call, Mo. Okay. Hey, hey, hey Elliot. Yes, go ahead. Can I, can I, can I read something? Um, yes. Um, Bob Small. You know, yes, um, one, two things that um, come to mind. That, you know, well, let me say this. I appreciate you bringing up T. Thomas Ford. Um, yes, because sir. I think that's, that, as you said, we don't know. We don't know about the Afro-American League um, and him being a part of the UNIA um, with Garvey yes, also, yes, and, and being and being buried. He, he was in, the head in, of the. He was the editor for the African World under Marcus Garvey. Right. Yes. And, and the other thing I'd like to raise is the question as we're dealing with the conference and dealing with, especially with young people and dealing with. Um, you know the whole thing as as the conference was uh, uh, nation time again. The question about interjecting within the planning the the ideal, not as a negative and not as a, a deflection, but that the opposition is real. The opposition because, is real. <laughs> they're our enemy, and they yeah. mean to they mean to exploit us down to the skeleton and, if we don't and, and if we learn to right. fight back. Yeah, and and it's and it's it's important to have at every stage what the possibility of the opposition is, but on yes, the yes. other side, the question I, will, I guess you know to make it short, and the question to you is, and I, what I hear what you're saying also is the point of how much we have to negotiate with each other, as you say, yes. it's eighty million, eighty million of us, and 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 that is with this fractured mentality, it's so important for us to figure out strategies to be able to get, and I heard the sister say about this umbrella, to get to where we can create an umbrella. What do you yes, think sir. of that? The, the point, the challenge around negotiating from between individuals to groups um, of that challenge that we have. Yeah, and, and, and I think you've laid out something that's very significant because we know we got the money among us. Hmm. If you spend a trillion dollars, we know we got the money coming in from somewhere, but we know we got the money. But we have not been able to negotiate the relationship that would allow us to aggregate that money and use it for black businesses and black community development. And, and the reason we haven't been, because we haven't been able to negotiate the differences. So you've got, we're caught in these class stratifications. We've got a black upper class or upper middle class, but there's a black upper class. We've got a black middle class made up of professionals like doctors and lawyers and teachers and, and dentists and et cetera and other technical professionals and other white corporate elements. And then we have a black working class. And then we have a black underemployed class, which Huey Newton called the lumpen proletariat, and a black welfare class. Now, how do we build the relationship between those classes in the black community so that they begin to understand that they were responsible for one another and responsible to one another. And we've grossly failed at that. We've grossly and, and, failed at that. And, and I think that, I mean, and, and taking the, the, the failure as a part of the, his, the historical, you know, the historical context that you keep raising, because I think, you know, I always look at 
the Negro conventions. We have mm-hmm. platforms, and you mentioned about the '72 when uh, in '72 when I, everyone came together. We created yes, tools and mechanisms. These were different groups that had different ideological positioning, mm-hmm. and we're, we were young, you know, so really vehement, but was able to figure out how to at least negotiate it. And, and I think we're we're at that stage again. We have to bring that to the forefront. That yes, not sir. just religion. In a lot of those things, we have to. What is it that we can offer each other or put on the table to come with each other? I, I, I just. Um, and 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 let me tell you where religion comes in because religion, in some ways, is key because the majority of the people that are involved in this scenario belong to one religious instrument mm-hmm. or another. Mm-hmm. And if if those instruments can take the same or similar message to their membership, it would influence the behavior in the other enterprises in the community. But unfortunately, we have not been able to even unite the Christian denominations in the black community. No, let me just break it down. In the Baptist Convention, of a den- which is only one denomination of many Christian denominations, we have not been able to find unity mm. in a way that they could take those millions of dollars those people bring to them every Sunday and those hundreds of thousands of, or millions of people that come into their churches every Sunday and organize them around at least basic control of the communities they live in. You, you know, Dr. Small, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I wanted to throw that into the mix. You know, we know that in this democracy that we live in, this American democracy, that religion and politics kind of go hand in hand. And the $1 trillion spending power that we have, it reminds me of that. Uh, I saw a YouTube clip that uh, Dr. Frazier put out, and he, he likened the $1 trillion is to like a a 55-gallon drum of water. Now, you can uh, turn that 55-gallon drum of water over and all the water will disperse. But if you put a hose to it and put that 55-gallon water into a power washer, you can break concrete. I don't think that our power is aggregated. And we can say that, but it's one institution among our people that have aggregated this power, and it's the church and when I say church, yeah. I'm not just talking about Christianity. I'm talking about religion in itself have aggregated mm-hmm. the power where they can get money from all those stratas of black folks that you just mentioned. They don't mm-hmm. seem to have a problem drawing money. But when it right. comes time to that money translating into businesses, into uh, uh, young people developing businesses or jobs for the community, it doesn't translate. So in my opinion, I think that so we religion- need to change our targets. Okay. We need to change our targets. Okay. We need to tell those who had those religious institutions that you're not only being irresponsible, you are acting as much of an enemy as any Ku Klux Klan or any wow. of the other organizations we consider to be destructively okay. enemy to our community. But because of the sacredness that we've ascribed to religious institutions, except for a few of us making critiques of them and criticize them. I criticize them very harshly for decades. But most people see them as sacred. Well, I only see sacred in behavior. I don't see sacred in articulation. 
I see sacred in behavior. And if you're not behaving in a sacred manner, I don't see you as being sacred. And I think we need to begin to hold the religious leaders accountable, accountable. not just because of the okay. money they collect, but for the influence they have over the minds of the people through the fear of death and through the threat of God's judgment. Okay. And those two things are so significant that we need to tell them, if you're not going to, if we're going to say we're going to move against the Trumps of our community, and we're going to move against the David Dukes of our community, if you're behaving in a manner that uh, gives us the same result as Trump and David Dukes, then we got to move against you. And we haven't so, been willing to do that. So, so um, um, Bob Small, so does that mean... Do we go to them from the perspective of shame, and I'm, I'm still dealing with the context of negotiating, and, mm-hmm. or do we go with them from the, a position to negotiate that is important for you to do this because, as you say, if you don't. I would start at the most principal level, and that would be the level that the latter that you just said, to start at the position where we try to see if can we sit down and negotiate how we resolve a contradiction, a major problem in our community. Okay. And if we can't get results at that level, then you move the critique to the next level. Hmm. Let's go to 215, uh, area code 924. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Brother Joe. Hi, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hi, Brother Richard. And, and how you doing? I'm honored to talk to you. How you doing? Uh, okay, Bro- Brother Joe. Brother Smalls. How you doing, good brother? I'm good, sir. I'm good. All praise be to Allah. You know, Brother Brother Bow, I know we're short on time. I'm going to try to condense this real fast. Uh, I'm going to deal with the uh, economic thing last. As you know, with the passing of Brother Fidel, Comrade Fidel Castro, particularly, of course, through the white corporate media, you know, they demonized me. They showed them them, uh, them uh, diggers down in Florida, those, those whiteies. They think they're Cubans, or Cubans, they think they're whiteies, in other words, you know, can for the demise of, of Brother Fidel. And, and, see, and, and, you know, once again, Trump, he, you know, he predicted the president. He took the president to task for doing what any human being would do, Brother Baba Smart's expense sympathy to Castro's family. But what gets me again is how white folks, again, show just how inhumane they are. Uh, Trump will get them called uh, Castro a brutal dictator, murderer. I'm saying to myself, he, he, we live among the people, Baba Smart, that have did some of the worst treatment of any, to any human beings in, in the history of mankind, never apologized against reparations. These great racist white cops still gunning out people down the street, and they got the nerve, the audacity, the call Fidel Castro a murderer and a dictator. I mean, the, the, the arrogance of these people—they have no sense of of, of nothing. They not, nothing, nothing, you know, they have no sense of any kind of consciousness whatsoever. And I always say to this: if if, if Saddam Hussein, if Fidel Castro, let's say for the argument that he was murderous, the white man is the last person in the world to point that out. You know what I mean? He can't he can't he can't call nobody on the carpet for the for the inhumanity because he has but he has no moral ground to stand on. And, and number and number two on the economics thing, you know, when you were saying about shopping, not shopping with people who don't employ our people, I've been saying this by Baba Smart for the last even before the election. I said Donald Trump, like most of these white men and white people in this country, they are pro police. I said you go to a lot of these malls right outside of Philadelphia and stuff. Our people flock to on, on this so-called Bad Friday. Call it Good Friday. Call it Bad Friday. Could be giving the white man our money. That's why I call it Bad Friday. When they, when they, when it, and stuff or, or, or Black Friday, whatever, they, whatever they term they call it. When you go shop at these malls, these white folks make it very clear they are pro police. So and so, when the police can gun down 
a, 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 a brother like uh, the brother Alton, what's the brother in Louisiana who they shot back in the summertime, they can gun down a brother like that. White folks support that kind of stuff. So when you go to these white malls and these suburbs. Let me tell you the sad thing, my brother. Black folks ahead. support that stuff. Yes. Yes, See, and I that's agree. part of the problem. You're right. You're because right. with this many millions of people, every time they have a funeral or we have a funeral, they can have a funeral. <laughs> Nobody wants funeral. Yes, sir. I get you. I get you. But that's you. not enough to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Because that poor cracker, unemployable, who they make a cop, will keep coming back until we organize ourselves as a community. That's right. Forget about them. That's right. What are and, we doing? And, 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 and organize the black community, starting with the the person, if we want to start with the unemployed, unemployable on the streets, so or we want to start with the upper middle class, those who have abandoned our community, made money because the poor, most struggles <laughs> in the black community was carried out by the community poor. The people in the marches are the unemployed people. They're the poor people, but they change history. Yes, they did. And those who take advantage of that and get degrees and get good jobs, Instead of coming back and helping the people who changed history, they abandoned the community and walked over and moved over into the enemy community. Exactly. So we have to have a discussion that explains that. Yes. So people understand that. That's why you can't say don't deal with the past because the past, the future don't exist. You got it's history, motivation, it's aspiration, yeah. it's hope, it's inspiration, but there's no substance there. The only substance is in the present as you interpret the past. And, and, and without the past, you can't that. even interpret a present. And, and you know, Bible Smalls, nobody ever told the Jews that when they, 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 no, no, no black person ever had the heart to tell them Jews when they talk about the Holocaust. Nobody I don't questions care that. about them Listen. Jews. I don't Same care here. about them. Same I here. don't care about them. Let's stop using them. Let's just come back to saying... Now what is it that we have to point. do? Listen to me. Because it does, we, many of us have said that for many years, including me. Right. So I'm changing my line now. And my and line fine. is, what are we going to do to eat? Uh, and I'm down with that. I'm, and I'm that, with that you, should be our I, only line. Because we can't sit, people ain't responding to being shamed. They don't care that they're shamed. But if we stop spending our money with them. That's right. And if I'm we all stop for that. spending our money. Because most of what we buy in our community are things we want and not things we need. Exactly. You know, we what I was saying, we beg for what you need, you beg for what you want, but you, you know, whatever right. what you need, whatever the saying goes. Whatever, whatever the cliche is, yeah, if we to make a list mm-hmm. every week, these are the things we would like to have, but these are the things we need to have, and then tear up the list of the things we would like to have and only address the list of the things we need. I agree. And then we make a decision as where are we going to acquire them. Yeah, I, I agree, brother. And I close with this. Like I said, and it starts, like I said, with stop going to these malls, giving these devils your money, who, 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 who hate your guts, don't like you, who support people, that gun your people down the street. That's the first step. We but no one's going to listen even to this conversation. That's why you and I, listen to me well, me and you, going to our family members, starting with our households, and said, we're not going to do that anymore. Well, I do it, I do it now, brother. I do it now. And yes, just sir. be the example. Yeah, I, 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 you I'm, ain't got to say nothing to nobody. That's just right. be the, the example. I practice what I preach, brother. Thanks. I've been doing it for And when, and when one of the years. others who are not listening 
come and complain about being unemployed, just tell them, you got my sympathies. And they <laughs> I come. like that. Let me tell I'm you cool. something. I don't march. I don't care who gets shut down in the street. I will never march again. Mm-hmm. If you shoot my son, I'm going to either be in prison or dead because I'm going to kill you. Yes, sir. <laughs> be clear you, about it. I'm, I'm not going to come you, on TV and cry before a camera and mm-hmm. cry at a microphone. You'll kill my child, I'm going to kill you. Well, hey, I'm with you, Dr. Small. Dr. Small, you're not going to... Enough go- of us do you, that. You're not going to say... I, any problem. You're not going to pray for the, the person's family? <laughs> I, like, no, I like it, Dr. No. Small. I love, no, I love I'm going to have prepared. their family praying to the same God my family <laughs> praying to. Thank you for your call, Joe. <laughs> you know. Hey, you're welcome, brother. You're more than welcome. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, brother Joe. Let's go to uh, 919, Eric Code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? 919? Can you hear me? No, I'm gone. Okay, all right. We'll just put you back. I am. Okay, are you there? Okay. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm fine. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yes. Hi, now this is Nana Cambone from North Carolina. How are you doing, sister? Doing great. I'm doing great. I just wanted to say in reference to, and I'd like for you to speak to this point, you talked about the 80 million, and it's certainly going to take a lot to do the unity for that. But what you also have talked about is that we already have uh, groups moving on these suggestions that you've made, and people can join those and start there rather than waiting for the other things to begin. You know, start and unify around the movements that are already in place, like Let's Buy Black 355, like Us Lifting Us, some of the models that came out of the state of the black world. If we Mm -hmm. start there, then we can magnify and intensify our efforts and keep on going. Would you speak to that? And they can go to the website of the Institute of the Black World, Mm -hmm. and and they can see when the... the, the, um, summaries of the conference is going to be posted. And that's not the only conference held in America. The Institute of the Black World did a good job. But there are many such conferences happening every week in people's towns. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do is take responsibility to attend these conferences. The flyers are all over the place. And we're not attending them. And almost every one of these conferences is addressing the same issue. Economics, politics, and culture. And we all need to join an black and organization that is black in the communities in which we live. And there's an organization or organizations in every community in which we live. There is no excuse for anyone not to be involved in the process of change. Because if there's a black communi- organization in every community. And you need to change your organization. Well, you have to start by getting in there and seeing what it is. Right. Because we're too big to, to to come under one organization. We need to try and work where we are and trying to understand what the problem is. See, one of the problems is, is that most black people don't know what the problem is. Yes, we hear them talking. The white, the white man is not the problem. The problem in the black community is the black man not doing what he needs to do to provide food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security to himself and his children and his family. Nobody in the world does anything they do except for the purpose of providing food, clothing, shelter, and safety. And we don't say that enough. 
We talk about we want to be this. We want to own this. We want to be over this. For what purpose? At the end of the day, you got to go someplace and eat. You got to go someplace that house you. You got to wear clothing when you walk out of that house, and you got to try to have safety. So this is primarily about the goal of providing food, clothing, shelter, and safety. And then the question comes, how do you do, you do that? Absolutely. And until we are clear on the goal, we don't even know why we're supposed to be doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We think we're doing it for the excitement of it. We're doing it for the esteem of it. We're doing it for the, the, the what's that other word, the, when you, the prestige of it. No. I want to be able to pay this mortgage every month. I want that little girl, that little seven-year-old who just walk upstairs just there to have a roof over her head and clothes on her back and to be safe when she walks out of my door. I want to make sure that Carol don't have to die working for somebody, that we have handled the provision of food, clothing, and shelter, that she can come and sit down and enjoy her grandchildren. I'll say who Carol is. That's my wife of 47 <laughs> years. And we've had, you know, like any other family, we've struggled through all of the valleys and all of the mountains and all of the whatever. But our primary goal was that the organization of a family is so essential that the crisis that people who are trying to build a family encounters isn't greater than the essentiality of the sustaining of a family. Mm-hmm. Sister, I want to thank you for well, your call. I'm up. I just wanted to make those comments, and I really have enjoyed it. Thank listening. you, Nana. Okay. I recognize <laughs> your voice anywhere in the world. <laughs> Peace, sister. <laughs> have a good evening. Uh, Professor Smalls, I'm sorry to keep you over time like this. No, that's okay. We got one more. Let me try to get this one uh, call in here. 973 area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hi, this is Jersey Girl calling from New Jersey. How are you? Um, how are Hi, you? Good, good, good. Um, I, I'm in, I am with an organization, and it's called the People's Organization for Progress, Mr. Small. <laughs> yes, sir. That's Larry Ham, my brother. Yes, that's right. I'm glad that you put that uh, gentleman on blast when you asked him was he a part of the organization. I think that should be the, the prerequisite for speaking on the air. If you're not a part of the organization, then you can't talk. <laughs> that's right. I agree with I'm you. I'm serious. You have people call all the time, just gag, 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 gag. Then you ask them where the organization, their voice go down like five octaves. You can't even hear mm-hmm. <laughs> But what I want to say is, is this. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed my organization. I enjoyed the um, State of the Black World Conference. Actually, it was uh, aired again on CNN over the on over the weekend, actually. Oh, it wow. It came on at 7 o'clock. And then... Um, if you go online, I think you can probably get it online also. So actually, it you know what it aired? It aired the uh, conference where Brother Ham. Um, they had Dr. Marbu, uh, uh, Dr. Marbu there. They had I, I don't. Were you on that channel there also? I mean, I'm trying to picture your face. <laughs> was was um, I there? No, no. Were you on the panel? It was Thursday night. Oh where they had no, ma'am. I, w- I wasn't on the on the panels for the, oh, for the okay. first time. I was at a conference. Well, I was just an elder brother, okay, and I was no just so happy, no but I, I tried to make all the sessions I could. You know, I just hopefully, you know, I know, um, I'm, I thank you for talking in terms of uh, buying black and also disseminating the information to your family, because a lot of people 
don't hear you when you tell them, oh, don't go out and shop this way or that way. You have to put in your family. I just wish, hopefully, that we can start to penetrate the churches more in terms of just telling people, meetings. You know, they have so many meetings. I mean, I, I, I have this um, magazine that comes out here in New Jersey. It's called The Positive Community. Have you ever heard of it? No, ma'am. Oh, it's, I, I, maybe I'll send you a copy. It is a beautiful magazine. It tells you all the events that the, the, the people in the church arena are doing. and, and mm-hmm. You know, it's just awesome. I mean, it's a great, great uh, uh, magazine, and I will definitely try to get you one out so you can see it. I just hope, and just lastly, that we can try to start to penetrate the, the churches and, and just having yeah. them be if like we Martin can get Luther the church King. to move back to where the church was, where the church was a builder of institution and not just a, a, a promulgator of religious dogma. Our churches was in their inception not about religious dogma uh, <laughs> proliferation, but they were about establishing communities and building families. And you can't sustain a family unless people can have jobs. And you can't have jobs unless you develop businesses. And somehow our churches have gone from that to now where they're just selling feel-good theology that don't last 24 hours. Right, motivational. I call them motivational speakers. They're not even motivational speakers because the people ain't motivation to do nothing except give them some money. (laughs) That's that's very, very true. You know, I would say you get something out of it. But my thing is this. Can't we somehow, and, and you know, somehow we can we can charge that we can say talk to the the, the religious community, those church leaders, to say if you can just like uh, at least maybe a fourth of your organization should be involved in some civil rights front. I mean, can we like say to them like well, you we have to sit down like Pop, you know, in exactly. Jersey can go exactly. talk to some of the churches there who are That's organizing right. different right. associations. We've been trying here in New York. Um, I live in New Rochelle, New York, and we have an organization called The Gathering of Black Men. And I remember when I first got up here 13 years or so ago, um, and I found these people had never had a Kwanzaa, so I did the first Kwanzaa program. And it's a little town just north of New York, a lot of black folks here. And we did it at the Boys and Girls Club, and our group was meeting there. And six months later, they kicked us out of the Boys and Girls Club, kicked the group out. So I said, let's, let's go to all the churches in the community. So the next Kwanzaa, and at that Kwanzaa, we invited all the churches, and most of them came and participated. So we went to the church, and, and one, of, one of it, the Methodist church in the community said, look, we'll house y'all. And so for the last four years, we've been doing the Kwanzaa at the church center, and they've worked very cooperatively with us. And we've gone to all the churches in the community, inviting them all to take a segment of the Kwanzaa program, either with singing, dancing, uh, children's participation, uh, some drama presentation, so that the entire community is involved. So we engage in that kind of dialogue just around Kwanzaa with the church. But the dialogue at Kwanzaa has led to the other kinds of dialogue so that we, the city of New Rochelle is going into a 25-year development plan and rebuilding the entire downtown. So we said, fine. So we went and visited the city council and said, we want an ordinance. They said, they got to hire a certain percentage of our community if you're going to be rebuilding my community. And guess what? We got the darn ordinance passed. Then we went back as a group of black men 
And we said, we want in that ordinance that we got to have oversight. Every two months, we got to look at the books and see what they're paying our people and what rate of hiring and percentage of our people being hired. Then we wasn't satisfied with that one. We said, let's reach out and see if we got any people that want to work. Because we would be doing all this stuff and nobody shows up. So we went to Mercer College, who gave us their gym, and we invited the plumber union and the carpentry union and the other um, you know, construction associations to come, and many of them came. And we thought if we got 25 to 30 of our young men, we would be happy. But by midday, we had over 200 of them. Wow. I'm looking for work. And I, so I like we, that we're idea. now, like we're that. now gonna, working with them. The you know, I'm we're working with the them. Top. And we're working with our churches while we're working with them to train them on how to dress for an interview, how to do an interview, you know, how to get prepared to take some of these basic exams people offer, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we meet every other Tuesday um, as a gathering of black men. And we don't make much fuss about it, but that's just one of the things that we do here in the community I live in, because I can't live where I'm not struggling. I got to be struggling everywhere I'm at. Jersey Girl, thank you for for your call, Jersey Girl. Thank you. All right. Dr. Small. I took yes, you. Sir. I took you a little overtime there, but I want to thank you for being with us. You know, I didn't That's really fine. get to the point because uh, I really wanted to go into that spirituality with you. I'm gonna get you back I know. on. <laughs> Me too. I'm gonna get you back on because I want to talk do about that. Time. I yes, know, sir. We can do a show just on that. You know, but Doctor Small, before you leave us, I watched something uh, YouTube clip that somebody had of you, mm-hmm. and you spoke about a. Uh, speech that was given by one of our honored ancestors and I wasn't aware of it so I had to do a little research mm-hmm. and I just want to read that segment to you because I want you to comment on it again because okay. I, I was I, I wasn't aware of it let me let me try to pull that little brief segment up it says uh on September 30th 1850 12 days after the passage of the fugitive slave law Martin Delaney Delaney declared that he would use violence to keep his wife and children from being taken into slavery. He said he justified his actions in terms of the nation's political ideals. Whatever ideals of liberty I may have, I've I've received it from reading the lines of your revolutionary forefathers. I have therein learned that a man has a right to defend his castle with his life, even unto taking of life. Now, he was in, he gave this speech in front of the mayor and a room full of white folks. And some city, um, House of Representative people up in, uh, what was that, in West Virginia. Yeah, w- but wait a minute. He said that he would, he said if the president came to his house with the cabinet and waving the, the uh, Declaration of Independence, if he came to cross his threshold to take somebody out of there, he'd kill him. <laughs> That's right. That's what Martin said. He said, if I don't lay him as a corpse at my feet, may, God, may, may the earth refuse my body and heaven reject my soul. That's a bad brother. In 1850. <laughs> that's, that's a bad brother in, right there. In 1850. We're, 1850 we're, in a room full of white folks. Where's, the, where's that same courage among some of our people now, and especially uh, among uh 
this aggressive behavior should be among some of these politicians. Where is that mm-hmm. courage to well, stand see, up? If they read, if they study history, and they read about Martin, they'll get that courage. But when you don't know your history and you don't know your ancestors, the spirit of the ancestor won't light upon you. See? Wow. But when you know your ancestors, that spirit stood on your shoulder. Sometime I walk out of my house, I got Dr. King in front, I got Malcolm on one side, Elijah on one side, Fanny Lou sitting on my head. Ain't nobody can mess with me. Because <laughs> I'm rolling with the ultimate element of divinity, the aspects of our ancestors that the divine sent forth to this world. Well, I want to thank you for pulling my coat to that. I wasn't aware that, well, uh, thank you, brother, for that, going and checking that out. Martin is a bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bad brother right oh, there. Oh, boy. Listen, I want to thank you, Dr. Spalls, for being with us. I'm going to get yes, you on sir. again. I ain't going to wait another year to get you on because I want to uh, talk about these aspects, aspects of well, spirituality. Well, you got my number, so just, just bring me on up and I'll make the time. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Because you want... have to teach your people what you know, and that's all you can do. I want to thank you for being with us, sharing with us this evening. Thank you, sir. Peace we'll and blessing for the opportunity. We'll be right back. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your hosts elliot and reggie 
Peace. This is Professor Griff from Public Enemy. People keep saying black people need to do this and black people need to do that. Well, frankly speaking, I think it's a whole lot of talk, a whole lot of philosophy and a whole lot of head nodding. But where is the action? I'm suggesting everyone that's within the sound of my voice, we need to get on board with this national black economic empowerment movement. Let's buy black 365.com. That's let's buy black 365.com. This is Professor Griffin, Public Enemy, and I'm out. Peace. Darkness no longer, a child is born. Mother shed tears of joy as baby tests his lungs. But daddy's not there where he ought to be. Somewhere in Georgia, skinning and shooting craps on his knees. Another victim born out here in the hood. And based on statistics, it really ain't all good. Welfare takes the tail, and daddy can't sign, and it can't be seen. The family becomes a crime. The hunt is on, and brother, you're the prey. Serving time in jail, it just ain't the way. I'm living so hard, babe, that my hair is gray. We got to make a change. It's a brand new day. Just marched a million plus the other day. Look, look, we all witnessed the sweat rolling down Miss Liberty's head. She knows the sleeping giant, she's no longer sleeping dead. Oh, what a fulfillment of prophecy. Let us teach the children freedom's never been free. It's okay to cry, go ahead and cry. Jesus went, but hope and faith be kept. It's a new day. Welcome back to time for an awakening. I want to thank our guest this evening. Dr. James Small was with us in conversation. In conversation, his reflections on the state of the Black World Conference and other solutions for our people to move forward. And uh, more things will be coming out of the State of the Black World Conference. We talked briefly to Sister Nataki Kambon that was with us, um, talking about some of the sessions that has happened after the conference and some of the marching orders, so to speak, that's going to come out of the conference in order to make a difference in in our situation, the solution, has to come from us, and we have to get involved. Uh, you heard the advertisement for the movement. Let's buy black365.com. 
get involved and just don't get involved during this quote unquote this man's holiday season uh, and spend your money with black folks and then after January 1st go back to doing business as usual this is a lifestyle it's a change so when you get involved with these movements uh, let's buy black 365.com or us lifting us it's a lifestyle change change your lifestyle starting start directing some of our money towards our people it's going to help us tremendously in the long run it's what we need to do other people do it and it, it, without a second thought these things need to become second nature with us instead of spending our money outside the community start spending it in the community if you don't have a black vendor or somebody that you know in the community to provide these services then sometimes travel go go a little bit further go take that extra 10 blocks or make that extra call Start directing some of our money towards our people. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back next week, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, children playing after school They seem to be so unaware I know, I know The things that they'll soon have to take care
got to do something, yeah, to save the children. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.